Uh, hey, again, uh, this is Pastor Matt, and we want to share with you today about serving. It's a big deal in the DNA of Four Corners Church. Um, many years ago, about, honestly, 11 and a half years ago now, uh, when myself, Pastor Ben, who's a lead pastor, and uh, three other guys were sitting around uh, Ben's kitchen table dreaming about what kind of church God might build uh, through our gifts that we were offering to him, um, serving was a big part of the of the DNA of what we talked about. And we, we talked about yeah. creating a church that was different than what we had experienced, one where you could come and be real, um, be yourself, be accepted as you were, not have to put on an, an artificial church persona that you wore Sunday mornings, and the rest of the week you were the real you. Being real was a big deal to us, and we wanted to create that kind of environment. It's the, the whole real love now uh, phrase uh, that we use. It's really not a slogan for us. It's, it's the heartbeat of this place. Yeah. That was important to us because we felt like that was the way God accepted us and treated us. And we didn't feel like there were enough churches around who created that kind of environment. We also talked about the need for community and to be loved and accepted and not only be able to love other people, much like we do in India and kids ministry here and through small groups here, but, but to, to, um, be loved, to create an environment where if you were yourself, people would have, uh, actually love you and accept you as you were. So loving other people was a big deal to us. And again, we didn't think there were enough churches where true community like that, where yeah. deep, long-lasting friendships could develop over time. We knew we couldn't force that issue. We can't make friends in the congregation. But we knew that over time, if we created the right environment, those sorts of things would blossom. But the other thing that was a huge deal to us was serving. We used to say it this way. We used to say that we wanted a group of people who follow Jesus who are willing to get their hands dirty in the work of God's kingdom. We've changed that to uh, this kind of serve now idea as part of the real love now. But yeah. from day one, serving has been a big part of what Four Corners has been all about. And we didn't just do that because we thought that would be a great idea and it would make us a unique church and give us a distinction in the church community and be marketable. We thought that that was the reason that God created us to begin with. Not only us, the five of us sitting around that table 11 years ago, but everyone that God was going to send us. My belief, Matt, is that if you are breathing, you're simply still breathing because God has a plan for your life. He wants to do something with your life. He wants to use your hands and your feet and your mouth and your brain and all that you can offer him to do something in his kingdom. The theology of the Bible really is fairly simple. Now, it can be super complex as well, but God's plan from the get-go was to use you and I, to use humans to do his work in this world. It started in the Old Testament. It began with perfect unity between humans and God and humans and each other. And you know the story if you've been around church for a while. All of that was broken because of sin. And God had to deal with the sin issue by sending Jesus to the world to die for our sins. He was crucified. Proof that he was the son of God and had power over sin and death. He was raised from the dead three days later. Uh, We celebrate that on Easter Sunday and every Sunday around here. But his plan beyond that was for Jesus to to leave the earth again and then for the church to be established. That's what the whole rest of the New Testament talks about. After Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tell the story of Jesus in the New Testament— The whole rest of the New Testament is dedicated to the church, us, you and I. We're part of that long-standing history, and God's plan was for us to use our hands and our feet 
for his purposes in this world, to serve him now. And what you and I wanted to do over the next several minutes is unpack for people kind of the biblical explanation for that, share with you an analogy that the Bible uses as well as a couple other ones, and uh, hopefully encourage you and inspire you, but not so much just with our own words, but kind of from a God theological perspective to actually do something if you're not already. And in that, as we talk over the next few minutes, to say to those of you who are already doing it, thank you. Thank you for using your life to build God's kingdom here in this world. It really does make a difference. It makes a difference in our own local community. Again, on a Sunday morning around here, people give their hearts to Jesus. People take next bold steps. Kids are learning about Jesus all around this building right now. On Tuesday nights, students get together in small groups and learn about Jesus. That only happens because of you. And then around the world, like Lisa shared today, people's lives are changed Not simply because God is great and powerful and good, but because you allow him to use you to do that, to share his story and his life-changing love and power to people that you come into contact with. So we wanted to share with you a passage from God's word in 1 Corinthians that I think better than any other part of the Bible unpacks this thought of how critical it is, how important it is that you actually use your life for God's purposes and for God's kingdom. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to 1 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 12. If you don't have your Bible and you have an iPhone, I find it's just as easy, or maybe an Android because you're not cool. Uh, You can just pull up like Bible Gateway or uh, the U-Bible, U-Version is what it's called, and follow along with us. And this is a passage in the Bible where Paul, uh, an important guy in the New Testament who ended up writing most of the New Testament, is sharing with a church in the city of Corinth, that's why it's called Corinthians, about their gifts and their abilities and the skills that God's given them and how God wants to use them. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, and then I'm going to skip 6 and read 7, here's what it says. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. A spiritual gift is given to each Spiritual gift is given to every one of us so that we can help each other. The simple point that I want you to take seriously this morning is that God has given you a gift. He's given you a spiritual gift. He's given you, another way to say it is, he's given you talents and abilities that are given to you for a purpose. They weren't just given to you so that you could be different or unique amongst all the other humans. They weren't just given to you so that you could do some neat things. He gave them to you for purpose. He gave them to you for his purpose in his world. Today, leave here if you don't hear us say anything else to you other than you've got a gift from God, and he wants to use it for himself and for this world. You know, not only do you have a gift that was given to you for a purpose, but that passage continues. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 12, it says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And then if you go on to, to verse 14, he says, Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how could you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? You see, not only do we think that you have a gift for a purpose, but we think that your gifts are unique and that they're necessary. None of us are wired the same. We 
all have different talents and experiences and abilities and unique gifts that God has knit together in each of us separately and differently. Um, It's almost like a spiritual fingerprint that God has put on each of us that is a little bit different than anything that anybody else has. There's no duplicate parts. There's no spare parts that God's going to kind of assemble the body of Christ as the church. And there's always this bag of spare parts, like when I do stuff for my Kia. That's not how the body of Christ works. There's Everybody has a purpose and everybody has a plan. And and what I love is as he goes on, um, it's awesome because God has uniquely fit us exactly where he wants us. And 1 Corinthians 12, 18, he says, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put us each where, he wants, uh, each where he wants it. How strange would a body be if it only had one part? You know, I think back to when I was a kid, and I would go to my grandparents' house. I would walk into my grandparents' dining room, and on my grandma's dining room table, unless there was like some big family event coming, there was always a jigsaw puzzle on her table. And yeah. sometimes it would be out for a couple days, and sometimes it would be a really hard one that it seemed like would be there for months. But there was always a jigsaw puzzle. She'd walk by and grab a piece and stick it in throughout her day, or she'd sit down and sometimes spend hours on it. Because I was younger and I had better eyesight than her, I would get stuck on some of the challenging parts, like the big areas of sky where it was all blue cloud that looked the same, or the big areas of grass where it was all green and it looked the same. And even when those pieces looked almost identical, they were all cut differently. And I knew that I had to find the exact right piece to fit in the right spot. No matter how much I would force it, I couldn't get one to fit in a place where it wasn't supposed to go. One of the most frustrating things I remember that would drive my grandma crazy was we would finish a puzzle and we'd look at it and there'd be pieces missing. Right. It was like this glaring hole where you knew there was supposed to be a piece and it would drive you crazy because you knew that it wasn't complete after all that hard work. I think the body of Christ is very similar. Sometimes it's very easy to figure out where our pieces fit. And sometimes it takes a little bit more work to figure out exactly what the right fit is. But God always has a place and a purpose for the gifts that he's given us. Very similar to that puzzle, as God begins to assemble the body of Christ in the local church and in the church abroad, it's very clear when there are pieces missing. He has a specific place for each of us, and it's necessary that we play our part in being a part of the big picture of what God's trying to create. Yeah, one of the things we've always known is true that piggybacks off what you're saying, Matt, and it's straight, again, from this 1 Corinthians passage is even four corners as a microcosm of the body of Christ. If, if you were to look at us as a, one, of, one of the bodies in the, in the body of Christ, we know that unless every person that attends this church serves, part of the body isn't functioning. I don't, we don't always know which part it is, but yeah. there's always something not working because... God has you here for a reason. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're breathing, he has you here for a reason, and he wants you to use your talents for his benefit in his kingdom. And we feel like maybe our most primary mission, goal as pastors in this church is to help you discover the way you're wired and the gifts that you have and what you're passionate about and how you might begin to discover all of that and use those things in God's kingdom for his benefit and for his glory. And like you said, not only are we uniquely wired, but we have to use our gifts in God's kingdom or else the body of Christ isn't functioning the right way. It would be as if a piece of the puzzle were missing if you weren't serving in God's kingdom. It would be in the Bible's analogy, it'd be as if the Bible didn't have 
as if the body didn't have a, a kidney or a heart yeah. if you weren't serving. I don't, I don't know which part you are. Hopefully you're one of the cool ones, not like the appendix or something. Um, hopefully you're a cool part of the body, but whatever part of the body God intends for you to be as an analogy, we're not fully functioning unless you use your gifts and skills in God's kingdom. And we feel like our primary job, again, is to help you begin to discover that. The reality is your gifts were, be meant, were meant to be used in community. God didn't intend for any of us to be supermen or superwomen where that yeah. we were all things to all people. And in one person, we encompass all that the gospel is supposed to be about. You yeah. alone are not a complete image of the body of Christ. And I am not, and Matt is not, and Pastor Ben is not. It is when we work together and use our passions and our gifts and our skills together that the full image, the full body of Christ, not only functions, but it's represented well to the world. Without you giving, without you using your gifts and talents and skills in God's kingdom, the representation of the body of Christ to the world is incomplete. They don't get to fully see what the body of Christ can be like. That's why it's imperative for you to do something with the gifts and skills that God's given you. Your gifts were meant to be used in community with other people. So in 1 Corinthians, we're just kind of walking straight through this passage. Again, in chapter 12, verse 20. And and I'm going to read it to you also verse 22 and then skip down and read some of the last verses in that chapter. Here's what it says. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest are least important and actually are the most necessary. So no matter what you think your gift or skill or contribution might be, they're all necessary, even if you don't think it's important. In verse 25, here's what it says. When all the parts of the body function together and everyone's doing what they're called to do, what they're wired to do, what they're passionate about doing, it makes for harmony among the members of the body so that all the members care for each other. The reality also is we can't create a loving environment where everyone's loved and they can share love and be loved like we talk about with the real love now unless this other principle of serving now is happening. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together, all of us together are the body of Christ, and each of you is part of it. Your gifts were meant to be used in community, not standalone. That's why it's critical that as a church we get this thing right, this serve now right. Not because so much we need to do more ministry at Four Corners. We're doing a ton of good ministry. I don't know that we really need to do any more ministry. The ministry we are still left to, to do, that we're still called to do, is to help you discover how you need to do ministry in God's kingdom. And again, that's why we think we exist as part of our, it's, it's our DNA. It might be the core of the core of our DNA. Yeah, really trying to help people discover what that gift is, how they're wired, and then how they uniquely fit into the body of Christ here at Four Corners or around the world. So as we look through some of these things, I immediately began to think of some of the, the common reasons that I hear from people that they don't serve. And so Rather than just kind of ignore those, I thought it'd be good for us to take a look at some of these, talk through some of the common reasons that people don't serve, and just talk openly about what these are and what the heart is behind them and and what that looks like. So the first one that I I hear a lot is people think that they're just really not needed in serving. What do you say to that? Well, I would say that we don't necessarily need you. It's partially true because we have a ton of volunteers who are going to get the job done. So we don't need you. But the body of Christ needs you because while we think we're doing all that we can do with the ministries we're trying to do, we're missing something. We just don't know exactly what that is. So from that perspective, we do need you. 
We need to have a conversation with you. We need to just help you discover the way you're wired and how you can bring added value to some of the things we're already doing. Again, we believe that God sent you here and you're still breathing. You're breathing so he can use you, and he sent you here so that you could be used here. We want to figure out what that is. So do we need you? No. I mean, kids' ministry is still going to happen without you if you're not serving. The, the band's still going to be up here doing music without you if you're not in the band and you think maybe music's your thing. But from another perspective, we do need you. There's something you have that God has you here to do, and we want to help you discover that. So, yeah, we do need people. Now, one of the other ones we get a lot that I hear a lot is, I don't know enough about the Bible, or I haven't been a Christian long enough, or maybe even I'm not a Christian, period. Um, and yet, we think that there's a place for all of those people along any of that spectrum to serve. Yeah, welcome to the club. No one knows enough about the Bible. I know what I know. A decent amount reveals to us who he is. But the key to being a Christian isn't learning the Bible. You learn the Bible to learn God. You've, yeah. The key to being a Christian is following Jesus, becoming a student of his and doing what he says to do. And one of those things is to use your gifts and skills in his kingdom. You know, one of the other common ones we get is people say that I just don't have enough time or I'm busy on Sundays. Yeah, everyone is. Yeah. Uh, no one has enough time. I think in the suburbs uh, and probably just everywhere in America, the number one commodity that people guard the most is their time. I think you might guard it and it might be more valuable than even most of you, uh, than money is for most of you. I know for my family that's true. Time is a big deal. Uh, to serve in God's kingdom, it doesn't take necessarily a lot of time. There's a certain mentality and, uh, and a mindset that might be a full-time thing, but in terms of how you're going to engage it, I mean, there, there are, uh, there's a variety of ways you can engage that in terms of time from you know, one or two hours a month to several hours a week across the spectrum we have people yeah. serving in the life of this church. Yeah, we always say whatever time you have or you're willing to give, there's a place for you to use that, whether it's 15 minutes a month or five hours a week or anything in that spectrum. We want you to give the time and the gifts that you have as much as you can through that process. Um, another one we get is people say, you know, I, I have this, this ongoing sin struggle or this place that I just kind of haven't turned over to God yet. And I don't feel like I'm worthy to serve because of that. Again, welcome to the club. Uh, I know a lot of you. I know that everyone I know has a sin issue. I know I have sin in my life. The beauty of the gospel is that God's already forgiven me of the sins. And I'm working on my life to eradicate them, especially because they do not only harm in my understanding of of who God is, but they harm the relationships around me. But uh, the fact that you have sin doesn't keep you from serving in God's kingdom. Everyone that's ever served in God's kingdom has sin in their life. Yeah. So you may have more than me. You may have less than me, than me. That's irrelevant. You can have sin in your life and serve in God's kingdom. In fact, uh, in our church, you don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to serve in the life of our church. There are places you can't serve if you're not a follower of Jesus. Like you're not going to teach my kids about the Bible if you don't follow Jesus. Yeah. Um, you may not be able to, and you wouldn't be able to give the message on a Sunday if you don't follow Jesus. But Anyone can hold a door open and smile and say hi to someone. You can be a 20-year follower of Jesus and do that. Or yeah. You cannot even understand who Jesus is and not want to follow him and do that. So there's a place for you, no matter where you're at with sin and with God, to serve in the life of this church. And here's the reality. Whether you follow Jesus or not, you're still breathing because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He still wants you to do something with it. Yeah. And the last one we hear fairly regularly is people say, I just don't like to be in front of people. And it seems like every place that... I should serve. I have to be in front of people on stage, in the band, or in front of people in the lobby, or I'm in front of kids. Um, what do you say to that? There's, 
There are more places to serve behind the scenes at Four Corners than there are uh, out front. Uh, you just don't get to see, see it. Uh, there's about 250 people that serve any given month around here on a recurring schedule where they are scheduled and serve in a four-week cycle. Some of them several times, some of them once a month. The majority of those are behind the scenes. So if you'd like to be behind the scenes, there's plenty of opportunity for you. If you'd like to be out front, uh, there's opportunity for you as well. So it really doesn't matter what your preference would be from that perspective. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that, I think it'd be worth it for us just to take a few minutes. We talked through some of the most common reasons people give us that they don't serve or they're just not comfortable engaging. But I'd like to flip that over and I'd like to take a few minutes just to talk about what you and I think are kind of the top five reasons that people should engage this idea of serving. The first one is simple. It's obedience. Uh, We think that God has given you a gift for a purpose and that out of obedience you should use it. And what that typically looks like for people is serving in the life of the kingdom here at the local church. Yeah. You know, end of the day, you don't have to serve at our church, although that's what we're talking about because this is our church and we're pastors here. But God wants you to use your gifts somewhere in his kingdom. Um, and, and, and again, I, I feel like the Bible is clear that we're here for a reason, that God does have a plan and a purpose for your life. First Corinthians isn't the only place that talks about that. That's a theme all throughout the scriptures. Yeah. And um, he gave you this life for a reason, and he wants you to do something with it. And so it is really just simple obedience. You know, the second one is one that you and I talked about a little bit last week. We really think if if you'll engage this idea of using your gifts through service, that you'll grow spiritually. Yeah, no doubt about it. My experience has been there's no quicker way to grow spiritually than than to serve. Because here's what happens when you serve, uh, especially when you serve around here. When you serve around here, you serve on a team of other people. And what you're going to discover real quickly is that none of them are perfect. Many of them are a lot like you, and they have struggles in life. And yet, generally speaking, you're all heading in the same direction. You're doing the best you can to make Jesus the forgiver of your your sins and the leader of your life, the guy who directs your path. And um, something about being with a group of people heading in the same general direction has great impact, a lot of times very quickly, on spiritual growth. I know every person I've ever served with in this church who is committed to serving on a recurring basis on a schedule, I've seen change in their life, both practically and spiritually. The third one I, I think is practical from what we've talked about. If you serve, you'll help create this body of Christ, this church here. And we think through that, other people will grow spiritually because of you. Yeah, I mean, kids' ministry can't happen without volunteers, and kids grow when you serve. And that one's a no-brainer. Same thing with student ministry, same thing with this room. It takes people using their gifts so that the gospel can be shared, so that God's love can be put on display, so that all the things that God wants to do in this world can happen. And so, yeah, I mean, the impact isn't just on you. It really is on the world and what God wants to do with the people in this world. Yeah. You know, one of the things we talked about, uh, number four here, we think that the body of Christ grows, the church grows. um, And if you don't serve, it really is incomplete without you. Yeah, like you said, it's just a missing piece of the puzzle. It's a missing part of the body. And uh, if you don't serve, the body of Christ is missing something. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one I think is really important, too, if you have kids. You set an example for your family. It's It's hard to raise kids in a way that you tell them that Jesus is important and the church is important if you don't demonstrate that with your actions. And one of the best ways you can do that is by making serving in the church a priority and helping them to understand that using your gifts for the kingdom is something that should be natural for people that are following Jesus. Yeah, there's no doubt. This is, if you have kids and you're in the room today, um, this isn't Bible, but this is a wisdom from life that I've learned. And uh, call it Greg's wisdom if you want. I think 
I think you are screwing your kids up if you don't serve. If you say you follow Jesus and you don't do anything with your hands and feet about it, what a poor example you are to them. There's nothing better you can do than to let your kids see you sacrifice time, sacrifice energy, and use your gifts in the kingdom of God. I know for me personally, for Ben, uh, who's our lead pastor, who also is my brother, the single thing that changed our life outside of the fact that God saved us and forgave us of our sins is the fact that our parents served from the time I can remember. My, my two main memories of growing up in church aren't, it, it's, I don't have any memory of any message that was ever preached prior to the time I was 18, and I heard thousands of them. So I don't know if they were just horrible or if I have memory loss or what, but I don't remember any sermon ever preached. I remember riding on cold Chicago mornings with my dad on the church bus that he drove. Um, it was horrible because we got up at like 5 a.m. It's cold in Chicago in the winter. Mm-hmm. And he drove around and picked up kids who didn't have rides to church. I remember that like it was yesterday, and I was little. The second thing I remember is in that same church in Chicago, um, not only was my dad the, the bus driver, and this is a decent-sized church back in the 70s, four or 500 people, um, he was also the janitor. He, he wanted to be that. He didn't get paid for it. He just cleaned the church. And I remember in the basement of that church on those tile floors, they had one of those buffers that had the little spinning pad on it. And I just rode the buffer while my dad cleaned the floor. Every week we did that as, yeah. as a family. In fact, I was sharing with you and another guy this week that my entire church history, all I can ever remember about my family and its engagement at church is my parents always wanted to be the church janitors. Always. It didn't matter how much money they did or didn't make, yeah. how busy they were or weren't. Almost every week of my life, we spent cleaning the church that God has called, a, called us to be part of. It wasn't glamorous. It stunk. When I was in high school, I hated it. My dad still made me go help, yeah. but it was a big deal for us, and it changed the way I saw being a part of God's kingdom, using our gifts and skills for that purpose. That's kind of like being the kidney of the, of the body of Christ, I think, being the church janitor. Filtering all the dirty yeah, stuff filtering out. all the dirty <laughs> stuff. And yet, what kind of environment do you have? How do you represent the body of Christ well if when lost people come to your church, it's not clean and, yeah. it, and uh, represent how, how great it is to be part of what God's doing in this world? Yeah, so, yeah. and you know, through that impact of your parents' legacy that they've created now and, and what has happened in you and Ben's life has changed all of our lives in a way that's been amazing. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm forcing it on my kids right now, even yeah. as we speak, one of them we're serving right now in kids' ministry. Yeah. <laughs> Without an option, I want them to serve because it's a big deal in God's kingdom. So with that said, let's take out our Connect cards and take some next bold steps together. This is the way we've put into practice some of the things we talked about on a Sunday morning here. Now, next bold step A for us is the same every week. No matter what we talk about, it's always about Jesus. And the most important thing about what God is doing in this world is that he wants to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And so we do an altar call every single Sunday. We call it Next Bold Step A. If you're not following Jesus and today you want to make a decision to do that, you can mark that box on your card. And uh, we're going to say a little prayer in a second. And uh, all you're doing is acknowledging with your mind and with your heart and in a second with your own words that you want Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. You can do that by marking Next Bold Step A. Next Bold Step B, if you want to uh, be baptized and go public with your faith, this is something you do early in your Christian walk. You don't do this after you've got it all figured out and you're a perfect person. This is the next step of obedience after you decide to make Jesus the forgiver of your sins. You get baptized. So mark that. We'll be in contact with you about how you can get baptized here at Fort Morris. Next bold step C is I'd like to join a small group. So if you want to join a small group, check that box. And then right next to the box, write in the numbers of the groups you'd like to participate in. 
We'll contact you this week. Your leader will be in contact with you, get all the information to you that you need to fully participate in the group. Next bold step D is I'd like to begin a conversation about using my gifts in the body at Four Corners. Please contact me. We'd love to have that initial conversation to just get to know you, find out how you're wired, what God's gifted you with in your unique talents and abilities, and help you find a place of significance where you can plug in here in the life of the church. So mark that. Let us start a conversation with you that will help you do this. And the next step, E, I'll invite two people to meet me in the lobby February 9th. As you know, as we've talked about over the last few weeks, next Sunday is a big day for us. We encourage everybody to invite their friends, their family, their coworkers, people that need to know about Jesus or need a good church home. One of the ways you can help make those invites practical and make them a little bit more effective is simply by saying, hey, I'm going to meet you in the lobby. I'll take it from there. So just show up, walk in the front doors, and take your guests from there. Help them get plugged into a church where they can get to know Jesus in a better way. Yeah. Hey, we're going to celebrate communion together today, uh, something we do about once a month around here. And There's a passage in the Bible that, that says, Jesus came not to, serve, not to be served, but to but serve. To serve. And he did that primarily by the giving of his life for the forgiveness of our sins. And just like the Bible instructs, we don't want to go many weeks without remembering exactly what he did through his death on the cross and resurrection from the grave. So after we pray in just a moment, some people are going to be uh, in the room. There's going to be a couple stations right down here in the front center. There'll be some stations on each side as well. There's a map on the side screens that show you kind of how to... uh, uh, approach the, the elements. If you're in the center section, you'll simply stand up after I say amen, and you'll come down the center road to receive the elements there. And if you're on the side section, you'll stand up and walk out towards the walls and walk down to the front corners to receive the elements there. You'll pick up a piece of bread from the plate, and you'll dip it in the larger cup, which is wine, or the smaller cup, which is grape juice. And as you do that, just remember what Jesus did for you, that he came as a perfect person to serve you to die for the forgiveness of your sins so that his blood could cover your sins. And the proof that he was able to do that, that he was powerful enough to do that, that he was indeed the son of God, stronger than sin and death, is that three days later he rose from the grave victorious over that and an example to us and as the true king and leader and Lord of our lives. So when you take the elements, remember that, and then we'll sing a song together and celebrate. So if you would, bow with me and pray. God, we love you so much. And we're grateful. Uh, once again, God, that you love us. And not only that you love us and that you came to die for our sins, we're grateful for that, but we're grateful that you have a plan for us, that you have a purpose for our lives, that you have us breathing today because you're not finished with us yet. So God, we want to offer to you our bodies as a sacrifice, our hands and our feet, our minds and our voices. However it is that you want to use us, God, we want to use those things for your benefit and for your glory and your kingdom to do your work in this world. So God, this week, as we begin to think more about that and we try to discover how we might be able to better use our time and energy in your kingdom, give us clarity so we'll know how to plug in and make a true difference in the way that you want to do through us. We love you so much. We trust you to do it. In Jesus' name.